Thank you, Pastor McCall and Sister McCall, for having me here today um, to speak to the Pentecostals of Lake City. And um, I'm so thankful to be here and be a part of your service today. Um, as he said, he, he did a very good job explaining who I was. But um, I'm Courtney, and I've spent the last year in um, Glasgow, Scotland, in the United Kingdom. Um, and uh, just a little maybe background history here on um, how I felt called to missions before I start my presentation. Um, I came into the church when I was nine years old. Um, we were actually brought up Baptist, and we were brought here um, into the Pentecostal church when I was nine years old. Um, I received the Holy Ghost when I was 12 years old um, at the Redfield Campground. I'm sure most of you know where that's at. <laughs> and um, I was there in Crusader Camp when I received the Holy Ghost. And um, ever since then, you know, I, I, I got a hold of it for myself, and I started praying, God, even at a young age, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. You know, I was young. <laughs> I'll do anything. And, um, and God started dealing with me just about missions, you know, and just praying for other people outside of just my four walls. And um, so that next year, um, when I was 13 years old, we were in a service in my home church, and my pastor came by, and he prayed for me, and he said, um, when I laid my hands on you, he just told me, he looked at me, he said, I just saw a map with flashing borders. And um, right then it scared me because I was a homebody. I, I didn't go anywhere without my parents. I stayed home all the time. Um, and so right then I was like, oh, no, I, I can't do that. And so I kept praying, God, what do you want me to do? Even though he just showed me, I just kept praying, God, what is it you want me to do? And that next year I was at church camp once again. I was at junior camp this time, 14 years old. And I remember I was laying over in the corner about this area um, at the front of the altar. It was the last night of camp. And I remember my face was buried in the carpet, and I was just praying, God, what is it you want me to do? And someone I still don't know to this day came by a year later, and he, he told me in my ear, he said, I have no clue who you are, and you don't know who I am. But as I walked by, God wanted me to pray for you, and as I prayed for you, I saw a map with flashing borders, and he said, right now as you're praying, you're praying for people all across your world. And right then I was like, okay, God, you know, I know what you want me to do, and I'll do it. And so ever since then, I've had this just burden for missions. And um, so um, I was still young, 14, but since then, um, I was just involved in my home church. I couldn't really attend any mission trips at that time. But just staying involved in my home church and working until God opened doors for me to be where I'm at today. Um, so that's how this all started. And so just for a few minutes, I'm going to kind of talk to you about um, my time in Scotland and what um, has been happening there and what I've done this past year. And so we'll go ahead and start the presentation. Um, for those of you, we'll go ahead and go to the next one. For those of you who don't know where Scotland is, it's a part of the United Kingdom. Um, it's part of Europe. Um, from my house in Paragold, Arkansas, it's about 4,000 miles. <laughs> so um, the United Kingdom is made up of Northern Ireland, Scotland, and England as well. So that might give you a little bit of an idea of where I've been for the past year. Uh, the next slide. Here, I know it's kind of hard to see, um, but... Just a little bit of religious background um, of Scotland. Uh, the UK population is about 64 million. And of those 64 million, we have about 40 UPC churches there in the United Kingdom um, with only about 8,000 uh, members of these churches. So with a population of 64 million and 8,000, I'm sorry, 5,000 members, that's less than 1% reach souls that we know of of the UPC organization and more than 99% unreached souls in the United Kingdom. And I begin to think, you know, you think Scotland and you think, oh, they must have churches everywhere. They, they have to be doing good. But I remember the first week I was there, we were um, going to attend a, a service in Kimney, about four hours from where I live in Scotland. 
And I was riding with Sister Kelly, the missionary's wife, and we were riding through these cities. And I remember we were passing big city after big city. And as we arrived on these big cities, I saw people walking, and I would say, Sister Kelly, who's the pastor in this city? Where, what's the church here? Where is it located? And she would say, Gourney, this is one of our target cities. There is no church. And we continued to drive. We went three hours and 45 minutes before there was another UPC church from where I was. So the need for workers and churches in the United Kingdom is great. That map there is actually a picture I took in our prayer room in Scotland. And I know it's hard to see, but there's targets all over of just Scotland of target cities where the UPC is trying and needing aimers and workers to go and start a church in Scotland. Um, the next slide will show um, of the church. This is where I lived for the last year, and this is um, New Life Church. And this is where um, I was a, a part of the, I'm a Sunday school teacher there, part of the worship team and um, Wednesday night Bible studies. And uh, we have about 20 nationalities represented in our church, which is awesome. Um, Scotland is known for um, bringing in refugees, so we have people from all over, and it's, it's awesome to be able to worship with people from all over the world. The next slide is going to show you um, Harvest Bible College. It's actually in the same building and located with the church I attend. And um, so this is my classroom. We have one classroom, but it's um, a 10-month course the first year is uh, four days a week. And we have missionaries and ministers from all across the world come in and teach us um, a new teacher every week, different subjects um, on just furthering our knowledge of the word. And um, so I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to attend Harvest Bible College. Uh, the next slide will show you, this is Edinburgh, this is the capital of Scotland, and this is Church of Hope, where um, we were privileged to, I was there 16 weeks, um, helping the missionaries there in Edinburgh, and a group of three other students and myself would go, and we would um, do the worship, we would minister um, to these people in Edinburgh, and this church is made up of, the next slide will show um, a little bit about the church here of um, Edinburgh. It's about 20, 20 members, and they are um, they are definitely a blessing. And uh, the next slide as well, I believe, will show you um, of us ministering there in Edinburgh. The top right picture, I know it might be hard to see, um, but another thing that um, this trip has done for me is definitely stretched me outside of my borders. Um, when I left, I was very shy and didn't do much but when you go there they just you have no choice you're here to do something and work for the Lord so you're going to do it and so that top right picture um I'm playing the piano and I played the piano for the full time I was there in this church and um I learned by YouTube and I'm not an expert but it's just something to show you that what God can do here I would have never imagined doing that but um when you have no piano player, you're just willing and you do it. So I'm thankful for the opportunities given there. This next um, slide will show you Elgin. And this is actually um, a fun fact, the first UPC church ever built in Europe. And so um, we were able to go there. It's four hours from where I'm from. And the missionaries that were over this um, area, Brother and Sister Coker, they were um, older and they became very ill while I was there. And they were sent back home. And so the school actually took over this, school, um, this church to help them while, until they sent new missionaries back. So for a few months, we would drive four hours on Sunday morning. We would have church and do the service for them and then drive four hours back home. So it was another awesome opportunity. Uh, the next slide just shows that church as well. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for the many many opportunities that I was given on this um, trip, not only just to be a part of Scotland, but be a part of the whole United Kingdom. Uh, the next slide will show you us ministering in several different churches throughout the UK. 
the one there on the left is in England, and we were able to go there several different times um, to minister in Sunderland. And the top one is Kimney, um, another church we were able to be a part of. And then that bottom picture is actually not a UPC church, but the pastor was friends with a UPC pastor. And when he got older, he wanted to hand the church over to the UPC pastor. So this is a Protestant church, but they are currently um, under a UPC pastor. And it's an awesome opportunity for truth to be given to these people here. Um, the next slide will show um, we are doing work in Ireland. We are able to travel to uh, Belfast and um, Dublin as well to do work with Brother and Sister uh, Cooney there in Ireland and during the district conference. And um, like I said, this, this trip gave us so many opportunities, and I'm thankful for the Kellys help where they could have all of these students in their one church, but they're willing to share us and send us out to be used and help other churches throughout the United Kingdom. Um, the next slide will show uh, London. This is us. The left picture um, is us at a Spanish work, and then the bottom right picture is us at a Filipino work as well. And this weekend, we went to minister. We were in 13 services in three days, and so it was very... Um, very fast-paced, but I'm thankful that we were able to be a part of that. Uh, the top picture, actually, I'm leading worship at a Spanish church, and I don't speak Spanish, but I learned Spanish for the service. And so um, it's, it's awesome what God can do whenever you open your heart and say, I'll do anything. <laughs> um, the, next, the next slide, uh, these next two trips we were able to be a part of was um, we were able to travel to France. The students were to go there um, to a youth conference and also Cyprus on a prayer trip. Um, as a small missionary trip outside of the United Kingdom. Um, the next slide, I believe, will show you France. And if you click on that picture, I think it'll show a video. This is them singing in French. Oh, maybe not. No? Okay. Um, this picture is just showing everything was, this is my first time actually um, being in a translated service, so everything was uh, French first and then English, and so that was different for me because I've never experienced that, but it was, it was actually pretty neat, and then all their songs were in French as well, and so um, that was an awesome opportunity. The next slide will show um, we were in Cyprus, and um, we were there with several different missionaries, and Brother and Sister Summers are the pioneer missionaries there, and they just started to work about three years ago. Um, they, they took the first UPC church to Cyprus, and so we were able to be with them for about four days there praying in different cities of Cyprus. And um, Cyprus is a little island off of Syria and down from Turkey, so um, my parents were a little worried when we went there, but God did amazing things, and he continues to do amazing things in Cyprus. Um, this picture, actually, we were able to, um, on, we were able to go to Nicosia, which is the capital city of uh, Cyprus, and this is actually the last divided capital in the world. And that means, if you'll show the next slide, that means um, Nicosia, I know it's hard to see, I'm sorry, but this top right picture will show a green line right through the middle of the city of Nicosia. And on one side is um, owned by the Greek Orthodox, and on another side is um, occupied by the Muslims or the Turkish. And um, so on the Greek Orthodox side, we were able to go, we prayed throughout the city, we sang songs. But as soon as we got to a certain point of the city, there's this huge wall that builds all the way around the city um, with barbed wire at the top. And we had to go through two border controls to get there, to get to the other side of the city. But once we um, 
got there, we had before we even crossed over, we had to throw any papers away about the prayer trip. We had to throw anything away that said Jesus on it. And once we crossed over, we were um, not allowed to speak of the name Jesus. We were not allowed to say why we were there or talk about prayer. Um, if so, they, the missionaries warned us that they will take you and they will ask you questions. And so um, it was it was a different experience because I've never been put in that place where you can't speak of the name Jesus or you can't um, talk of his name. So um, actually, this is on the um, on the Muslim side. Um, they need freedom so bad. They are so bound. These people, if you are born on this side of the wall of the Muslims, you're not allowed to leave. So you cannot cross over the wall. You're stuck there. Um, there's no freedom. And the missionary said that some days you can you can drive by that wall. And although you can't see them, you can hear people screaming and crying out because they want out, but they are they have no way out of these walls. And so um, this is another place that the missionaries told us they just need prayer, that these walls will be broken and that there will be freedom on this side of Nicosia. This other slide will show the um, other side of Nicosia where there is the UPC church. And we were able to be in church with uh, brother and sister Summers there on Sunday. And be, uh, this girl here is being baptized in the Mediterranean Sea. And she just came in. Um, she'd never been to their church before. But um, we were praying the two days before, and I truly believe that God sent her. And since then, there's been a baptism almost every Sunday since we've left. And they're having great revival in Cyprus. So we're thankful for that. Um, the next slide here will just show... Um, some outreach that we do in Scotland, uh, the students and uh, the youth of New Life Church. And um, so uh, this next slide will show you of some things that we're doing there. This is a homeless outreach. We are a part of this once a month. We go out and in the city that I live in is about 500,000 people. And um, if you just go into the city, there's homeless people everywhere. And um, every I did this for 10 months, once a month. And um, it's sad to say that some of these people I saw every month the whole year I was there. And so they, they really need um, a move of God here to open doors. We go and we pray with them. We take them hot, uh, hot meals, tea and coffee, and we just sit down and talk to them and pray with them. We spend a whole day doing this and just letting them know that someone cares. People pass by them every day. But we just go and we reach out to them and let them know that Jesus loves them and so do we. Uh, this next slide will just show different outreach outreaches we do there in Scotland. Um, we wrote an Easter play. The students did. We wrote an Easter play and we did. We also wrote a children's um, a children's skit we did on a Sunday. And so there on the left, we're inviting people to our Easter service. In the top right corner, we are singing in our local Forge Market, uh, just Christmas songs around Christmas time we went. And then that bottom right picture um, at Christmas time, that's on Christmas Eve, we went and passed out boxes to the homeless for Christmas presents. We had scarves and things like that, uh, gloves and food and some things like that. We went and handed out to the homeless. So that's just um, a little bit about my time in Scotland and what I've been a part of these last 10 months. Um, I can't even begin to explain everything that I've done there, but that might just be a short little, um, you know, just give you an idea of what I have been a part of. Um, he, uh, Brother McCall did mention I am going back for another year. Um, they have a second year program in the Bible College I'm a part of, and so I will be there uh, doing my associates in theology as well as working alongside Brother and Sister Kelly, and as you see, doing many, uh, many, works throughout the United Kingdom, and so I'm very thankful to be a part of that. Um, just really quick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you guys a small demonstration. If you guys will help me, um, are you guys okay with helping me do some? Okay, perfect. Um, we take this one.
I'm going to use something that I learned in one of my classes. This might be the best one. Sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Brother Hattabal came, um, he's a pastor in Florida, and he came and showed us this, and ever since then, it opened my eyes, and I just want to share it with you guys uh, before we go on today. Okay, since you're already up here, we'll just use you first. Is that okay? <laughs> okay, what's your name? Rocklin. Rocklin. Okay, Rocklin is in a fire. What are you going to do, Rocklin, if you're in a fire first? Get out of the fire. Okay, maybe <laughs> he's going to call 911, okay? <laughs> okay, so who's going to answer the phone when he calls 911? You want to answer the phone? Okay, if you'll just grab the rope. Okay, once he answers the phone at 911, who's going to dispatch to the fire fires? You want to help me? Okay. <laughs> Okay, and when, she's, when she uh, notifies the firefighters, who's going to be our four firemen we, or firewomen? <laughs> okay, perfect. And once they're going, who's going to, um, who's going to run the sirens? Do you want to run the sirens? Oh, this is perfect. Okay. <laughs> okay, who's going to open the door for the fire truck to get out of the garage? Okay, Sister McCall is going to open the door. Who's going to drive the fire truck? We need someone to drive. <laughs> okay, my mom will drive. <laughs> All right, once we get there, we're going to need someone to work the fire hose. Perfect. We're also going to need someone to climb the ladder to get to Rockland. Who can climb the ladder? All right, Brother McCall can climb the ladder. Oh, perfect. Here we go. <laughs> All right. What's his name? Dawson. Dawson. Okay, Dawson's going to climb the ladder. So now I want to show you guys. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people just to save one soul. And all of these people here had a different job in order to get to him today. And so that's kind of, thank you guys. And so that's how it is working with God. Not all of us here today are going to do the same job. But each and every one of us has something different to do in God's kingdom. And if someone didn't answer the phone, the fire truck wouldn't know to go. If, if we didn't have firemen, no one could go to get there to tame the fire. If we didn't have someone to climb the ladder, no one could get to him to save him. So each and every one of these people, if just one person was missing, it would have all fell through. And in Romans 12, 4 through 5, it says, For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And although we are all different members today, we're all a part of the same body of Christ, all doing different things, working to see souls saved. A quote from a teacher that um, when I was in class this year says, I must be convinced that from where I'm at, I can reach the world. And I had to learn this is so true because, you know, sometimes we are caught in that waiting period and we're thanking God. I'm, I'm not in another country, so I can't do my part yet, not until you send me. Or, you know, God, I don't know what my calling is, so I'll just wait and see what you're doing. But if you just open your heart, God is just looking for a willing person that he can work through today. 
And another quote, a teacher, the same teacher said, God is not looking for reasons he can't use you, but reasons he can use you. God is not looking today and saying, oh, I can't use so-and-so because because she fell too many times, or I can't work through so-and-so because they have this problem. But God is just looking for one reason he can use you today. And so if you just give every, I encourage you to give everything to him today, and he can work through you. That's all he wants is someone who is willing to do something for him. And so we're going to, this video that I'm going to show here is, um, it's quite lengthy, but um, it's just a little bit of my time there. In this video, you're going to see um, a lot of different things, just some of our ministry trips. You're going to see some um, pretty pictures as well. And then there's some um, videos of either conferences or baptisms. While I was there um, in the church I attended, we were able to baptize um, five Muslims in Jesus' name, and they received the Holy Ghost. So you'll see some of their baptisms in this video. Um, they actually came, and they spoke very little English, but um, they walked in our doors, and we have no idea how they found us, but they walked in our doors. And um, before you knew it, we were giving them Bible studies over Google Translate, so we would type in something in English, it would translate it to their language, then they would put something in Google, their language, and translate it back to English. And by the end of our Bible studies, they had a revelation of being baptized in Jesus' name. And this is also a people who really need prayed for. Um, but before they were, they were refugees to Scotland. And they were telling us, you know, once we go home, we don't know what to do. Because if they go home, they'll be killed if they even speak of you know, being baptized in Jesus' name or anything other than what they're supposed to believe in. So um, it's real heartbreaking, you know, while they're in Scotland, they're able to serve God and be a part of our church. But when they go back home, it's going to be completely different for them. So if you if you have extra time in your prayer time, pray for the Muslims because they really need God to do a work in their families. But here's a video, and um, after after the video, I'll speak to you guys just a little bit more. Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Inspired, according to the Webster Dictionary, means to make someone want to do something, to give someone an idea about what to do or create, or to cause something to happen or be created. So today I ask you, what influences you to do something? As the scripture I read earlier states, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Through the word of God and his teachings, it was given to make us to want to do something, for us to cause something to happen. His word was given to us to turn to in times of trouble, to look to for correction, or in other words, what is right from wrong, and instruction for how to live right. He gives us all we need to be equipped and prepares us to fulfill his word by doing the good works that he has inspired us to do. So how can we be inspired by his word? Well, we read it. We study it and surround ourselves with it. We surround ourselves with people who also read it and are inspired by God's word. Referring back to the definition I read to you earlier, inspired meaning to make someone want to do something. Studying God's word should make us want to do something. It should stir us within and make us want to share it with everyone. The definition inspired also means to cause something to happen. When we allow God to inspire us, we should want to make something happen. 
We should be inspired to see revival and not only see it, but be a part of it, to be right in the middle of it. Because the inspiration of God, we should be seeing our family and friends saved. We should be, um, we should feel inspired to give Bible studies and focus more on our lost world. In life, it can be so easily to follow the crowd or even go with the flow. But today I ask you, what do you allow to influence you? Is it fame or popularity or maybe money or the best job or car? Maybe it's looking cool or trying to fit in. But the power of influence is so important. The scripture speaks of the power of influence in Deuteronomy 13. And here in this passage, we see that God has brought the Israelites near to the land he was about to give them. God wanted Israel to be a nation that served him. He wanted, to, uh, he wanted it to be full of people obeying him and serving the one true God. But because God knew the power of influence, he gave this command beginning in verse 6. And this is a little bit of lengthy reading, but if you'll just bear with me, um, I just want to show you what God is trying to get across here. It says, starting in verse 6, If your brother, the son of your mother, or your son or your daughter, or the wife you embrace, or your friend who is as your own soul entices you secretly, saying, Let us go serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, some of the gods of the peoples who are around you, whether near you or far off from you, from the one end to the earth to the other, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him, nor shall you conceal him, but you shall kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of the people. You shall stone him to death with stones, because he sought to draw you away from the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And all Israel shall hear and fear and never again do any such wickedness among you. So here God is saying, um, like I said, the Israelites are brought to a land that God is about to give them. But he is saying here, if anyone comes up to you and says, let's go check out these other gods. Let's go see what they have to offer. If anyone comes and speaks of that, he says, put them away. You don't need that because God is wanting this, the Israelites to be um, to serve the one true God, not be influenced by these other people who are trying to bring them down. He continues to read in verse 12. If you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to dwell there, that certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of, the, of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known. Then you shall inquire and, and make abomination has been done among you. And you shall surely put the inhabitants of that city to the sword, devoting it to destruction, who are in it and its cattle, the edge of the sword. You shall gather all its spoil into the midst of its open square and burn the city and its spoil with fire as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. It shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. None of the devoted things shall shall stick to your hand that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy and have compassion on you and multiply you as he swore to your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping all his commandments that I'm commanding you today and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. Now reading over this at first, I thought this was a bit harsh, but God wanted Israel to stand out and be different and be a nation that served the one true God, not just another place that served many gods or idols. So you have to keep in mind, Israel was surrounded by people in cities that worshipped idols and served many other gods. If people of Israel was to start mentioning other gods or idol worship, they would have an influence to those around them and cause other Israelites to turn to idolatry and end up corrupting God's plan for his chosen people. 
And as we see later on in the scripture, they did exactly opposite of what God told them to do. And they ended up, they ended up entertaining, I'm sorry, entering a land full of idols and serving them. Influence is important to God. We now live under a new covenant. Hebrews 8 and 6 says, But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. We no longer overcome evil with evil, as Romans 12, 21 states. Don't let evil, evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. If, so it's saying if there are people in our life today that are Christians and they turn and are no longer serving God, we may disconnect ourselves or back away from that, but we don't, we don't kill them. We continue to try to encourage them and to bring them back to God. Maybe you are not one who is easily influenced by others, but quite possibly you are the one who influences those around you. If that is the case, what do you do to inspire them to do? Is it godly or worldly? Is it positive or negative? Maybe helpful or harmful? I know as Brother McCall um, spoke earlier, a lot of people went back to school this week and whether you think about it or not, I know you hear this, but people are watching you. They're watching to see your actions or what you do differently. I know that there's kids in our church and um, even like the little kids here, they watch the older people. They watch the youth because they want to know what you're doing and they follow that. I know that um, we have a little girl in our church and if she sees you doing something, she wants to copy it. She wants to be just like you. And so it's important the way that we act and the way we influence others. And sometimes we might do something we don't even think about it. If we're having a bad day, we might, you know, do something we don't even think. But people are watching how you act. And if you're full of God and you're acting godly, they're going to wonder what that's about because they're going to notice you're different. This choice, how you, how you want to influence others, is yours. And I think that we all have room to improve today. And I speak to myself in this of how I can better influence others. It can be easy if we are not careful that we become sidetracked or forget how our actions show to those around us. And before we know it, sin can easily creep in and we start allowing things that are not godly to influence our lives. But just as God commanded the Israelites to attack the towns of those who were disobeying God and sinning against him, we too must attack the enemy trying to come into our lives. And as I was preparing this message, I began to think this is how my mind thinks and it might be a little silly, but... Um, has any of you ever heard of the Trojan horse? Yeah. yeah. So um, for those of you maybe who have not heard about it, in this story, um, it kind of reminds me as I was putting this message together about how there was a war going on between the Greeks and the Trojans. And this war had been going on for 10 years. And one night, the Greeks, they constructed a huge wooden horse and they put some of their men inside. And then they sailed away pretending as if they had given up and um, allowed the Trojans to win the war. And so that night, the Trojans pulled this horse inside of their city. And in the middle of the night, the Greeks that were inside came out and opened the door so that the um, rest of the Greek army could come in and destroy the city of Troy and taking over the Trojans, ending the war. So as I was thinking about this, I just began to think, you know, we as Christians today can build our own Trojan horse Trojan horse, so to speak, we can, if we, all of us Christians would make up our mind that we're going to attack the enemy and we're no longer going to let him come against us, if we would all just go inside and go to the enemy's camp and just take him out, and because, you know, God, um, God wants us to overcome those things in our life, and we don't have to be put down or, um, you know, think that we are no good, and so we, as um, today, this battle we face between good and evil can be put away. 
And um, I know I haven't spoken very long today, but if we could all stand. I invite you to think about where you are going to make your attack today. Where you're going to leave your Trojan horse, so to speak, to attack the things that is not of God in your life. Maybe it's your priorities or where you spend your time. Maybe it's your work or at school. Maybe it's your lost family and friends and you're tired of the enemy attacking your family and friends. Maybe it's your insecurities or maybe your past mistakes. Today we can have a fresh start. And it's time that we get inspired to improve and to influence those around us, to do better at being an influence, to be better at choosing our influences that we hang around. Something should be stirring in us today that says, God, I want to point people towards you through my actions. 2 Corinthians 4 and 17 through 18 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are, n- are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It may appear today that your life looks tough and like there is no way out. Maybe you don't know where to start. Just as the scripture I read says that the things of this world does not matter. It won't last forever. We need to make sure that we are investing our, investing our time and are being influenced by the word of God because spending eternity with Jesus is what matters in the end, not how popular we were or where we were here on earth. Mark 8 and 36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Today I ask if we just could all pray today. And as we begin to pray, I encourage you to search your heart and search your life to see where improvement can be made. How can we better influence those around us and encourage others to be more like Christ? We have a whole city here in Lake City and wherever you may come from that need Jesus. They need people to influence them. And even though we may go through hard times, I know we're all going to have hard days. But it's important that we remember that we, we are privileged to know the truth, to serve a God who is greater than all of our problems. And there are people just like in Scotland and just like outside of these four walls that they don't know the truth. Maybe they go to church or maybe they don't go to church, but they need the truth. And we have that and we need to share it with them. And so I just I just ask you today that if you think about God, where can I improve? Where can I be better at influencing others? And um, that's all I have for you today. But it's important that we remember that there are people hurting and that there are people in need of this truth. And we need to be doing everything we can to share it with them because they are, they're hurting. And I know, and I realize this, I mean, I know we see it in our world out here, but just being in other countries and seeing that, that it's not just here, it's all across our world and it's real. And they need to know that there is a God that loves them and that he died on a cross for all of us today. So if we could, let's just pray as we pray for Scotland, we pray for Lake City, we pray for our world as a whole today, that God could help us influence them and to bring them in and show them the truth today.